August 23, 2019, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference, the third annual conference focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. Join over 500 of the most influential sales development leaders in our industry for a full day of learning, networking, and growing your skills. This year, we're offering three learning tracks focused on sales development leadership, rep training, and our newest track dedicated to sales and marketing operations. Grab your tickets today before it sells out over at 10bound.com conference. That's 10bound.com conference. See you August 23rd. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am honored to get the next guest on the show. This is a gentleman that we have been trying to get on the show for a long time. Very busy guy. And I think when we dive into this a little bit, you'll find out why and what he's doing. Mr. Jay Tool, VP of Sales Development at Demandbase. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Thanks for having me, David. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for your patience as we, we had to work through some major tech issues to get this thing going. So I appreciate that. And I'm just excited to dive in. I mean, there's so many interesting things in your background and, you know, the advice that you can give us as, as we try to up-level the profession here in sales development. But, you know, if people aren't familiar with you and what you've been working on the last few years, tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into become the VP of sales development. Yeah. So I started my kind of SDR career and arc. It was about 12 years ago. I started at a email marketing company called Responsis that was eventually acquired by Oracle. And I really learned kind of the ropes of how do I engage with marketers through, you know, personalization and, and really trying to understand their business. I loved the aspect of selling into marketing and learning marketing strategies. So I kept I rose from SDR there into an SDR manager role, even got some international experience by getting to manage a team out in APAC in our Australia office, which was a great career experience. And then I came back to the States and managed another company called Strongview, which was also in the email marketing space, really got a lot of experience managing a bigger team with a lot of operational focus in that role. And then almost five years ago, I moved over to Demandbase, account-based marketing technology platform, where I am today and kind of rose the ranks there and now uh, the VP of sales development. Yes, which is really interesting because we were talking about this a little bit before the show. You know, the, the role of sales development has become so critical now to just consistently be talking to potential customers and and to be making sure that you're staying on top of the all the inbound stuff especially as it regards to account-based marketing you got to make sure that you're on top of everything and sales development is becoming so important and there but there's very few aside from at the bigger companies vice president of sales development i mean that that is the unicorn type of role and i'm just interested you know as you rose through the ranks you had that operational background you know, what, what does a day in the life look like for you? And, and, you know, how do you go about your day as the vice president of sales development? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really privileged that 
I get to work at a company that is in trying to engage not only marketers, but also sales development leaders. So a lot of what I do is really the strategy of, of building out an outbound engine, working alongside both sales and marketing and being the bridge between the two and talking to people all day about how they can use an account-based approach to really engage the accounts that matter most to them. So, you know, I'm dealing a lot with with our product team and how we can make it better for our users. And then always trying to be on the cutting edge of what kind of programs or strategies are, are going to engage our prospects. I think one of the struggles that a lot of sales development reps face today is like there's so much competition out there. The battle for the inbox or, you know, trying to get heard on someone's voicemail or even connecting live on the phone, you need to be highly personalized. These people are getting contacted by, you know, hundreds of people a day or a week. And you really need to kind of bring your, put your best foot forward to, to engage these people. So I'm always trying to think of how can we be differentiated when, when we're reaching out to our prospects. Okay. All right. So it sounds like you're you're very involved in the messaging and the, you know, I would don't want to call it sales pitch, but it's like, you know, you're very involved across the departments in what is the message that we're going to be putting out and how does that appeal to the audience? Yeah, but I mean, I also think you try to hire the right people that you think can can understand, can quickly understand what you know, your business does and, and how you can bring value to your prospects. And I like to give my reps the, the freedom around messaging. We just give them the kind of high level, this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is what we're trying to say and who we're trying to engage. But I also think you, you need to give people that freedom to, to speak in their own voice and create their own compelling messaging. Okay. All right. So you'll, you'll set up the overarching strategy, but you do give them some you know, freelance and how they put that together. And so it seems like in a more sophisticated program like yours, you would want people who had some experience in the industry and could stick around for a while. Or do you still do you still see the sales development position as temporary position before they go on to bigger and better things? So I think that a lot of companies are hiring sales development reps now. And to think that you're going to find someone with two or three years experience that's been a top performer in the past that wants to join as an SDR again, that, that's really not realistic. So our profile has really moved to maybe people right out of college or six months out of college, but that can show an aptitude for understanding a prospect's business, being able to go on their website and quickly understand what they're, what they're able to do and be able to to pitch that back to me. That's kind of the profile that I look for now. I also think that a lot of SDRs, they they want to get to an AE role in maybe a year to, to three years. And I really like the people that are, that are going to come in day in and day out and bust their butt to, to get to that position. They have a, folk, a daily focus that translates into a weekly, monthly, and quarterly focus. And they're not going to do anything outside of getting to those goals. That, that's really the profile that, that I see kind of rising the ranks in, in the sales development world. Got it. So your, your mind frame with the, on the recruiting side for your team is, 
I want to get the, you know, people that will come in and do the job because it's a really hard job. I mean, so that's thing number one. And you also want that hunger for moving up within the organization because you'll get that momentum and energy. And now the downside of that from a leadership perspective for you is like, it becomes almost like a revolving door between finding great people, having them around for a while. You've been on, on the, you've been doing this for over five years now at your company and having great people. And then they, they, they process out, either they go up or maybe they go to different organizations. So how, how do you, how do you like structure it and balance it so that you get the best of, of both worlds? You get people that are experienced and can, can help you to achieve your goal, but yet are all, always have one foot up. I love that you answer or ask this question because it is the biggest challenge that I face today, but also I think one of the most rewarding things that I see at the company when you can see how big of a footprint our SDR organization has because of people being promoted into to AE roles or sales engineering roles or customer success. I love it. And I, I want to encourage anyone out there, like you need to develop a path to keep and even hire the best people. So, you know, one of the things that I think you absolutely must do is shorten your time to production. You know, if, if, if your ramp time is 90 to 150 days, work on getting that 30 to 60 days shorter and get people producing in their second or third month. That's been absolutely crucial to us. So having, you know, sales enablement and a really detailed onboarding plan so that people have a checklist of things they have to do every day, I think is crucial to getting people up to speed as quickly as possible. And then we also have, you know, a program that can get people into a path to AE. So for us, it's, you know, at least at least nine months in the role and then six months of a hundred plus percent of their goal. And then there's like a pretty extensive, it's like a kind of a entry level exam. And then also a panel pitch to, to work your way into our, what we call our bridge program into an AE role. So there is just always like certifications and checkpoints to be, you know, keeping on top of who is ready to get into this program and and who is going to be that next great account executive on our team. Excellent. Okay, so you've got that structure and you know, recruiting takes so much energy and to- so much time and and it's you know, it's so critical because you have to find the right people for the team. And once you finally find the right people, you're like, oh, you know, okay, like, let's do it. And then next thing, you know, someone's getting promoted or someone's leaving. So how do you keep your energy up and keep constantly recruiting? Because it seems like it's, you're bailing out like a ship with a hole in the bottom, or I don't know what the thing is, but you just got to keep your energy up all the time. How do you do that? I mean, you you constantly have to be thinking about recruiting. Whenever anyone asks me, hey, are you, are you looking for SDRs right now? I always say yes, regardless if I have an open head or not, because you need to be building that network and always having candidates ready. I love bringing in you know, interns that maybe are two years away from being hired and, and keeping connected with them. And we've, we've been fortunate enough to have interns recommend other interns and then keeping... Just keeping all those doors open. And, you know, I think in this role, you are 
always rebooting. If you ever take your your foot off the gas there, you are going to have, you know, problems bringing in the next group of candidates when when your hiring does does come up. You're con- so you're just consistently recruiting. You're all the time. All the it's, time. It's probably half of my job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's really interesting. Okay. So, so let me ask you this. So the, the other executives, okay. So at most companies, they'll put someone who was a great SDR in charge of the SDR team, but it, it never really rises up to becoming a vice president. So like, do you think that the fact that demand, demand base is an ABM company and they're very sophisticated, so they get the value of sales development you know, gives you sort of a seat at the table with the other executives or, you know, how, how did you build your credibility and, and respect, you know, within the company to be so successful at this? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the most important parts around account-based marketing is sales and marketing alignment. And for any sales development manager out there, you know, that is such a crucial part to your day-to-day. You really have to take in the best interests of both of those departments. So I was really fortunate to, to work at a company that really valued the person that, that held that role. But I think, you know, not just thinking about what you need to do to get your pipeline numbers going, but like, how is what I'm doing affecting not only our sales team, but our marketing team? And, and also from my perspective, like what we build into the product and also how we tell our customers to do better account-based marketing. I think you know, I was in a very unique position, but it's definitely something that sales development, and I'd say the last five years is becoming such a crucial part to most sales organizations that you're going to see the rise of of the VP role and, and people having more of a, a seat at the, the table and access to, you know, the executive group. I really see a lot more people and, and there's so many so many up and comers in a manager or director role that that probably deserve a shot at that table. So I'm excited to see what the next five years has for for more more people in a VP level role. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Yeah, I think I've seen the evolution in just the last few years that you're talking about in that, you know, the old school way of like looking at sales development is definitely going the way of the dinosaur because more and more alignment is necessary. And when you think about sales development, it's it's the glue that holds all these things together and really optimizes performance. Because if you've got marketing and sales in a silo, you're just losing out on so many opportunities. It's ridiculous. So I, I agree with you 100%. And I'm super excited to see some of these people come up and you know just build that credibility for our profession. And, and you're, you're really leading the way. And one of the things I wanted to ask you too is you, know, you recently, I'm going to switch gears here. You sure. released a blog. You've got some great tips here from your blog on LinkedIn. <laughs> and I love it because it's the prospecting do's and don'ts, value and relevancy. And I can I can hear that you you know you're 
you're involved in in the strategy. You're involved in you know the setting up the the process for the team, getting the best people, and then you probably get a lot of messages from SDRs Ooh. all over the place. And so, what what prompted you to to write this? And then let's talk about some of the do's and don'ts of prospecting. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that article because I do get quite a few you know prospecting emails where it's just people diving right into their their pitch without understanding me or people just coming on LinkedIn and saying, let's connect. And I'm like, why do you want to connect? Or people that, you know, cold call me. And I, I absolutely love it when people cold call me, but they just dive into asking qualification questions without kind of getting me interested in their products. So I wanted to write a post that if people are going to be reaching out to me or people like me that you just think and put some value into what how you're trying to engage people before just firing off a mass blast and hoping you get a couple people to respond out of the hundreds or thousands that you sent it to i think a lot of decision makers like i love when my reps get a response that says hey i never respond to prospecting emails but you really engaged me here or you really did a good job as a VP of sales development, like nothing makes me happier than that. And I think I want the industry to start utilizing really actual personalized engagement, not just, hey, I personalize your industry or I use these three customer examples that I think are relevant to you. Like really understand this person, their business challenges, maybe some of their personal motivations and reach out to them in that way. And Treat them like a human, you know? I think you're going to do a lot, a lot better job engaging them, getting responses and, you know, getting what most sales development reps goal is ultimately getting meetings and qualified opportunities into the pipeline. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that, again, this is the wave that's happening right now. And I think that there's, there is an evolution also in the messaging because you've got the push and pull. You've got people that are running, you know, sales development organizations who still focus on volume and quantity and the number of activities and things like that and how that flows into meetings and pipeline and then on the other hand you have people like screaming going okay that is like from a long time ago we're not getting the results and we're actually irritating people so we need a better approach that doesn't necessarily take that in but it's very very hard to measure what you're doing in this blog post for example like on a dashboard you know so it's a lot easier to measure like okay johnny made a hundred phone calls today and got one meeting then you know they did deep personalization and followed your approach which actually works better so it's it's a weird evolution that's happening right now. Yeah, and and you're always going to have to find that mix of doing volume and doing high quality. You know, I've gone away from the 80 calls a day, 100 emails. I don't I don't necessarily want to see that. Now, if it's a strategy that works for you and and you're hitting your your opportunity numbers, that's awesome for you. I'm just saying in my experience I think, you know, a mix of getting your calls done, leaving voicemails, reaching out to people on social, and then doing highly personalized email, that's what we find that doing a smaller number of those, but each of them having value, that's what gets us to our goals on a daily basis. And, and 
the metrics I really look at are always going to be opportunities over the the volume of outreach because that's just that's what we care about. Now, if you're not getting to your opportunity number and you don't have the right volume, then we're going to have to look at what you're doing there and modify your strategy a bit. But you know, I really like to give people the freedom and and use their creativity to to get to their number how they see fit by by really, you know, engaging people the way they want to be engaged. For sure. I mean, nobody wants to be treated like a robot, you know. Right. And especially, you know, the younger generation, I'm going to sound like an old old <laughs> crotchety <laughs> man, but like the younger generation wants to come in and and they're used to technology and like putting things together and being creative and doing things. And then you're just like, you sit them down and you go here, just make a hundred phone calls all day, you know? And it's just like, you're treating me like a robot. No wonder that they quit. No wonder that there's attrition is so high. So I really like your approach. And okay. So let me go through a couple of these. So one that I really like here, these are the do's and don'ts that you've identified as a vice president of sales development, getting all these messages. So do number one is before you ever get in touch with a prospect, think from the perspective, what's in it for me? If you cannot answer that question, you should not reach out. I love that because I mean, that would eliminate like 90% of the crappy <laughs> messages in my email box because they like, they just, they're just spamming. They, they have no idea what I'm working on or what could potentially help me. Right. And I mean, I, a lot of your prospects, they put this information on Twitter, on LinkedIn, in blog posts. Like if you search for it, you can find it and connect the dots between what I care about and what you're selling. And I just want people to be doing more of that because if you dive into your product immediately or your service without telling me what it is you do, then I really don't have the time to read through all of these and try to guess how you're going to help me. You need to clearly tell me what you can do succinctly and why me taking 15 minutes is a good use of my time. Otherwise, there's just no way I can respond to everybody and say, yeah, I want to I learn more about what you do. Do that in your first outreach to me, and you have a much better shot of getting my attention. Yeah, the one that I hate is like, hey, you know, it usually comes on LinkedIn. It's like, hey, I, I want to I wanna grab 15 minutes with you to learn about your business and how we could potentially help each other. It's just right. like, I mean, you know, it's better than just calling up and saying, hey, do you want to buy my product? But it's like, learn how we could help each other. Dude, I don't even know you. Right. So yeah, that one. <laughs> I mean, I always like it when they reach out and connect and say, hey, I followed you here, or I think, you know, the career path you took was really cool. I want to connect with you. Then they engage me with a few articles that they think might be relevant to me or ask me what my opinion is on this or tag me in a post that they thought was really cool. And then once we've kind of engaged a little bit, then then go in and send a, hey, I really think our product would be valuable for X, Y, and Z. Could we find 15 minutes to talk? There, there's nothing like someone saying, hey, let's connect for this reason. And then you immediately getting pitched. It's like, oh, why did I do that? Okay. Oh, you have oh, to, I hate that. You know, deny this is, yeah, that is, sorry to interrupt, but that is just the worst right. like strategy. I don't know. What's going on is there's all these companies that actually pitch me all the time that say, we can leverage your LinkedIn network and get you leads. And basically what they're doing is they're kind of going out as you 
and they're sending these crappy like connect and pitch LinkedIn in mails on mass, you know, and volume and just destroying your reputation. So, I mean, and Hey, somebody, if you want to argue with me about this, like let's jump on because I mean, I can't think of a worse way to use LinkedIn than this connect and pitch trend. Well, and I, I just personally, I really truly believe in, in like the sales development as a function and team and companies building their own in-house teams to do that. So I personally really don't like the, the outsourcing of the function. Like we can help you do this on LinkedIn. No, I, I'd rather teach people how to do that. That's just kind of a personal preference of mine. Yeah. I mean, and look at, look at the benefits of that approach because now demand base has a whole, you know, cadre of people that have come through your organization are well-trained are really excited are doing a great job and they're in different parts of the organization probably. Right. Like sales. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, great. Okay. So one thing that st- stood out, I got a couple more of these don't creep on Instagram or Facebook and be surprised when your intro email asking them about their honeymoon weirds them out. So has anybody ever done this? Because I've never seen that. I've never gotten one of those. And I think it'd be kind of funny. Like if someone went to my Facebook and they were like, Hey, how was Lake Tahoe last year? I mean, I think it'd be kind of funny. Like it's better than, you know, Hey, I want to learn about your business and see if you could help me. Like, Anyways, so have you ever gotten anything like that? I should have prefaced that with, I don't think Instagram and Facebook are bad to use if people actually talk about their business on those channels. But yeah, we we actually had one example here where I really, this person had a really great kind of outbound strategy. They were a little, little overzealous, went on Instagram's photo of a cool location was on and, and sent them out. And, you know, we got, a, we got a little slap on the wrist and it's like, okay move this more towards if they're talking about their business then it's totally fine let's you let's use that and and I do think you're right like I have I have a heading on my Twitter that talks about how I like horseshoes and New Orleans brass bands and things like that and if people come to me and say you like a New Orleans brass band have you heard of this group I would be like hell yeah that's great I really like how you did your research but there's kind of a, a line that if you don't know someone and it's a cold connection, just just be careful with it. Yeah. I mean, that's funny because this is a little known fact. If anybody's listening to this podcast and they're trying to prospect me, um, you know, I'm a huge deadhead. I mean, I like from when I was in high school to when Jerry Garcia passed away, I, I was like, and now, you know, online, like I still listen to the show. So no one has ever come at me like, hey, did you hear the show from like 1977? Oh, and by the way, <laughs> I want to help you achieve your business goals. I think it'd be kind of cool, you know, but nobody has ever done that. So there's a little, I'm sure I'll get a couple of emails or maybe. maybe. I, do, I do have some favorite examples of people like going into the depths of the internet, either Google or, or YouTube and like finding a funny YouTube that a prospect had done like years ago or when they were in college and people... I love seeing the responses like, where did you dig that up? That's hilarious. So, you know, there are times when it can be used to engage. And I really think using social networks is a great idea to find information about your prospects. Again, just try not to cross the line and and try to tie it back into 
why talking to you would be of value. I don't think it's a bad thing. And with anything in sales development, trial and error is always the way to go. Try to be creative. Try to be on the, the forefront of, of new prospecting techno- or strategies because you know what you're doing now, other people are going to catch on to it, start utilizing it. And in a year or two, it's just going to be stale. So you always need to be testing, always trying new messaging, and don't be afraid to do that. Yes, I love it. And and I mean, I'm sure that you've seen a lot, you know, just in the few years that you've been over there. I mean, things, trends come and go. One of the don'ts in your article here is the old eaten by an alligator email. Oh, yeah. that's, that's long gone. I think everyone knows if anybody doesn't know what that is. I got I got it two weeks ago. So that's why oh, it, that's why it's, I in guess it's not long gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But but you go, you got a couple more recommendations here that are great. One is the 10K if it's a public company. So tell us about what they could potentially find in there and, and how they could use it in their messaging. I mean, if you go into someone's 10K, look up executive priorities, or for us, we're selling into marketing, look up marketing initiatives, do a quick, you know, find within the 10K, jump down to those pages where it talks about that. I mean, just in an opening sentence of an email or getting them on the phone, hey, I was doing some research on your company. I noticed that your CEO had mentioned X, Y, and Z were a priority. Here's how we can help in that area. Like that just takes it a step further than saying, you know, here's what we do and and here's how we help companies in your industry. Tell me exactly what my executive cares about because... If our CEO is saying that, it's going to trickle down to, you know, either my boss or me. And and it's really going to kind of help better engage people. And it shows, you know, 10Ks aren't small documents. It really shows you've done your research and want to engage with this company and feel that you can bring value. Yep. Yep. I love it. And, you know, it's, and you mentioned this before, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, you need to do some research. You need to find these. You've got a, another couple of things, the 10 K, the, you know, any awards or promotion, top 50, 100 list. I mean, it all takes research and you don't want to just sit there and research all day. Otherwise you don't talk to anybody. So it's like, I always recommend people do it in chunks, like put it on your calendar for the downtime in the day, like an hour a day where you, you're just going to research your top accounts and find some stuff in their 10K and jot it down and get your messaging set up. Do you have your team do research during a certain time or is it like sprinkled during the day? I mean, I think there are, with a lot of these great kind of sales engagement tools, you know, your, your sales loft, your outreach, you can you can easily find when people respond to your calls or open your emails. And I try to say, do your outreach around your highest engagement times and use that data to to then just determine what time you do your outreach. Um, Middle of the day around lunchtime, technically, it's not always great. So I usually say, try to do it then, try to do a little bit in the late afternoon. I think about when people can call me and get a hold of me. As a VP, I get in early. I'm at my desk till about 9, 9.30. And then I'm off at meetings for most of the day until about 5, 5.30. When I get back to my desk, kind of am doing stuff to get organized for the next day where people could call my phone and I would be able to pick up. So I usually tell people to, to do their calls or their emails when these decision makers are going to be at their desk, not running around all day. But 
you know, it can, it can be different for everyone. That's why consistently testing when you're going to be sending these and, and using kind of data to make decisions is always going to be a good thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's a recurring thing that comes up on this podcast, the testing, the AB testing, the, all that stuff. And it's, it's almost like, you know, I, I need to dive in more with people on how they structure that. And actually I was talking about that with somebody, I think it's on one of the podcasts. I've been doing a lot of these, but you know, how they structure that constant experimentation and, oh yeah, it was with Blake from a couple of weeks ago. So there's going to be a show on this, but it's like setting up that experimentation process so that it doesn't get old and you keep experimenting constantly and you keep finding new things. Because Jay, you've mentioned several times that it's, it's a constant experimentation process to find the messaging that actually resonates. Yeah. And what I also think for, you know, sales development managers or even sales reps trying to get better, make it a culture in your company to freely share these ideas, whether that's, you know, forwarding around, hey, I just found this top 50 list. I bet you have prospects on there. Send a congrats note or creating a Slack channel where it's like, boom, got a reply today, meeting books, check out what I did here. Like we should all be trying to make those people around us better and freely sharing what ideas are working. Because again, things are going to get stale. You always need to change things up. And, you know, I like to build the culture of we're a team. It's not just one person hitting their number. We all need to be crushing it to get to our number. And I really want to build that kind of culture at, at the company that I'm at. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I mean, you've got two sides of that. One is everyone's super competitive, and they want to be the top of the leaderboard. Right. But at the same time, it's like, if you're hoarding all of your good ideas, and you're hoarding the stuff that's working for you, then you're just totally damaging the team and you know, the company's success. So it's like, you gotta, I completely agree. I mean, you got to open up and be super transparent. Because you know, you're only going to be probably doing the job for two or two years, you know, three years at the most. And it's like, Hey, let's bring everybody up and everybody improves. So I love, I want, I want people that are friendly competition, but they want to be mentors and make those around them better. That's actually kind of one of the the things outside of numbers that I look for in people that I'm going to move up is like, how, what are you doing to make this a better place to work, make those around you better and help us all hit our numbers. Those are the kind of people that I know if I were to send up into an AE role, their manager would be pumped on me for promoting onto their team. So those are the kind of people I look for. I love it, dude. It's a virtuous cycle. I mean, you've got a cool company, you've got really good people, everyone's collaborative. I mean, it's just, it's, it's up and to the right for demand base and, and for Jay. So Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I feel like you've got a million nuggets. We're going to have to do part two here. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and definitely, you know, do, do some more stuff together, Jay. So thank you so much for jumping on the show and joining us on the, the Sales Development Podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks, David. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.